This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. Welcome, everyone, to the triumphant Season 3 finale, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I have to say, I really enjoy the way you do things. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, or Episode 321, Absolution, and 322, Ascension is brought to you by Professor Von Sturger's compiler theory. It's complicated. And again, Pete, you've just given everybody the spoiler warning there. If you are listening to this podcast and have not seen both episodes of the season finale, which were aired together uh, without even a, a title card break between them, if you, if you haven't seen both episodes, 321 and 322, stop. Maybe you're watching on DVR. Maybe you're watching on home video. Maybe it's six months in the future. Stop. Watch that second episode. Come on back because we are, we're hitting both here and uh, spoilers may fly. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser here, Matt, Maveth. Hey, that was a thing. They were there. Apparently, they're back now. It's that uh, that shield box. Daisy's in there fiddling with wires. Pete, there was a moment where I started to panic. I was saying to myself, did some sad sack at ABC run 322 instead of 321? Did I? Am I misremembering last week's episode? What is going on? All of a sudden, Coulson is there, too. He's wondering how long they're going to survive. The camera work at this point starts to suggest it's a dream or a hallucination, but I was thoroughly hooked in insofar as I was confused and worried that I had forgotten things. Great misdirection, the reference to their blood, the uh, the ones who survived here. So you're like, they, they've done it. We're, we're truly in media's rest here. They've, uh, the bad guys have, have crippled the world. The, the escape route was to get back to Maveth and then... Wah, wah, wake up on earth thank goodness phew indeed uh daisy awakes in what i like to call the shield rubber room at that point we get the title card and pete this thing is moving here they always do teaser act through the title card then on to action but this felt like a title faster card the music carried us on through and then we're on the quinjet with yo-yo lincoln mac and may and pete mac is getting the kill switch Ooh, is this foreshadowing yeah i i getting the line about the kill switch from the guy who would ultimately be killed what kind of misdirect is that matt i was convinced that not just at this point but a little bit later on when it's like mac with the kill switch mac with the kill switch mac's gonna kill someone else therefore mac will not die therefore mac will die i think that's all intentional misdirect and twisting you all around uh good Good use of milking this mystery of who will die uh, for for <laughs> as long as they need to in these two episodes. Pete uh, Simmons, meanwhile, checks in on Daisy here. Um, you know they uh, they want to know about the absolution, the the one key word, Matt, that that seems to be sticking in everybody's throat. Yeah, I I wondered if perhaps they were overplaying that a little bit. Uh, I know it had been mentioned, but I I 
I know it becomes a a twist later on in the episode, so maybe here is where they really underline it's a word, it's a mystery, what could it mean? But I just kind of felt like, I felt like as characters they were hammering in on it more than they needed to. I felt it was more the writers hammering in on it because they wanted to have a, a really neat twist-a-roo at the, at the midpoint of this two-hour double bill. Uh, we're told that Hive rarely... Uh returns the favor here. So uh, Simmons has explained to Daisy that they have located a silo in the Pacific where this warhead is uh, being kept, prepared to be launched. Hive and uh, James, meanwhile, look on as a cloaked Quinjet lands and down the ramp here, several come uh, trying to stop this launch, notably Mac, who says they need to take the freight dock. Yeah, it's a fun reveal. They they very much underplay in the first uh, bit there with, with May at all, that there's, there's something weird going on with the plane, the reveal there that they're under the sea. That's right, it's Mulan meets Ariel, and uh, with that they, they have uh, sneaked in. Is, Pete, is it sneaked in or snuck in or s- snuck it in? What what's the proper the proper verbiage there? Sna- snacked in, <laughs> sneaked in, sneaked in. Um, but Pete, that's going to be all for naught if they don't get that kill code to kill the launch code. Yes, and uh, General Talbot is asking this from another general who apparently can't give it. So fine, red tape it shall be. This is a a wonderful little bit here where the solution is for Talbot and uh, Fitz to to team up. Fitz using cheapo motion capture and a fake uh, a fake you know beret and all of that to to um, on the fly simulate the 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 necessary general to get the military thing to thing the thing. It's absolutely wonderful comedy. I must have wondered, Pete, if uh, if actor Ian DeCakester must have had this moment where it's like, okay, so on this show, I've gone to different places in the world. I've uh, got to fire guns. There's been explosions. There's been computer effects. Now I'm wearing a beret and there's uh, black dots <laughs> on my face and I'm, I'm going blah, 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 blah. Yeah, many, many men on the moon there. Um, meanwhile, Colson is, uh, directed to speed towards this defense logistics building where, uh, this handoff of, uh, codes can take place in person once they've convinced the, uh, secretary Thomas there that, uh, it's all on the level. And, uh, of course the reveal there is there's tension and more tension as things count down. turns out the kill code isn't like, you know. Charlie Echo Bravo. It's, you know, longer than most tweets are. And there's that that uh, very quick readback of uh, of all of that so they can unlock unlock the kill switch. And uh, we go back to Daisy, who reminds uh, reminds us that Hive thinks he's the savior for everyone here. Yes. And uh, May, who is watching some of the surveillance here, sees Hive and reminds us that every time she sees his face, she wants to punch something. Uh, Pity she didn't get to punch his uh, CGI face later in the episode. That would have been stunning. It, It was stunning even without it. 
But before we get there, Pete, good news. Countdown has been stopped. Mission accomplished. Hive is really, really angry. There's the threat here as to whether he's going to Borg Dr. Radcliffe or maybe just eat him. Please, please not those things, says Dr. Radcliffe, who's, uh, of course, played by John Hanna and increasingly uh, increasingly important to the show. Um, that gives Dr. Radcliffe just enough oomph to try and help the missile launch, even though he's not kind of a tech guy in that regard. And uh, with Dr. Radcliffe gone, Hive promises rage to end the act. We start act two with people peed off on Hive here. Uh, Lincoln is talking to May and uh, lamenting that uh, at least Andrew did not die in vain. Matt, I have to say, if there's a flaw in the last three episodes here, given what happened to Lash, that we never got a, a coda with Blair Underwood and um, Ming-Na Wen as their uh, ex uh couple here uh it really kind of fell a little short i agree i think that if we had uh marissa tencherone and jen whedon on right now they would probably say they got that when andrew was saying i can feel the last change happening it's it's i'm getting pulled away it's it's this is it this is the end now um it would have been nice if only if just if you get him in just to lay on the cold the cold slab of the floor, you know, for one more, for one more scene there. I don't know if the fact that he has a pilot lined up and a pilot that's gone to series, if that was a time issue or a contract issue, but you certainly could have gone back and used old, old, old footage of him. But again, I think in the show's mind, they already said goodbye when Andrew was still Andrew. By the way, Pete, it occurs to me here, um, this is kind of sneaky foreshadowing. Lincoln talking about an inhuman who didn't die in vain. Yeah, I mean, we're we're really kind of telecast this throughout this two-hour finale. And the swapping of the crucifix necklace as well as the, uh, the shield jacket uh, red herring that everybody kept gaining possession of um, you know, the, the distraction in between. With that, the story moves to Mac and Elena setting up some tech, and Mac is too slow to tech the tech. Turtle, work then stare, work then stare. Pete, is Mac going to, to hold the kill switches for real? Is he in control of death and definitely not going to die because he's going to die later, I thought? Sigh. Another misdirect. Colson and Fitz, Matt, have a tense discussion. Colson talking about how they're not just up against Hive, they're up against memories that he has taken on here. Has Daisy remembered yet, Matt, that word, absolution? What does it mean? She doesn't know yet, and I was still like, I don't know why she needs to know he said a thing. Maybe I was just being a bit lunk-headed, I don't know. Uh, we then get more of Dr. Radcliffe talking to Ronald and Ronald too. He needs engineering mechanics types, and uh, that's not him. Can they help? Well, they have hammers and crowbars and stuff, so that's kind of like engineering, right? Engineering listeners, basically what you do is just use hammers, right? <laughs> 
Hive, meanwhile, uh, heads into a room where he senses the inhuman Lincoln. He knows he's there. It's useless to hide. Uh, he says he was sorry to take Daisy from her. Um, we're cross-cut here with Coulson talking to Daisy, uh, telling that uh, Fitz has entered the kill code. That was step one. They need to kill Hive. That's step two. Just a two-step process, Matt. No big deal, but it will give us absolution. Hey, Pete, what is absolution? I'll tell you what Daisy knows about that. She really, really, really doesn't know anything about absolution. With that, Colson says he's going to update her and then leaves. Or does he? He then turns right around and tells her that her imprisonment is to keep everyone safe and she's not the victim and she doesn't deserve blame. But then she says she is a criminal and does deserve the, the blame. She doesn't need pity nor friendship. She doesn't need absolution via the brainwashing excuse. And uh, she's being awfully tough on herself, isn't she, Pete? She is. Uh, doesn't want the pity or their friendship here. And despite Coulson's insistence that she deserves this, uh, it's on her she feels and that they shouldn't ever trust her again of course this is hiding the great reveal a little later in this episode back to the hive monologue we go it seems that hive is almost taunting lincoln and uh, it seems to work pete because lincoln shows himself he's ready to fight there's then the reminder there that if ward's body is killed then hive will just go elsewhere and lincoln runs yeah, not before reminding him that Daisy did indeed love Lincoln and that uh, Hive made her whole, but they could walk out of there and uh, and find her together. They could, they could complete this destiny. He could go as somebody from S.H.I.E.L.D. even, and that's what sets old Sparks a-running. Coulson, meanwhile, is sympathetic to the withdrawal that Daisy is suffering. Um, and uh, she asks rhetorically, is, is that all that this is here? She says she's dope sick, um, but he's, he's felt the sickness himself here, the, the need for vengeance, that it takes time, it takes distance to get away from it. Uh, hey, do you still have the memory machine? You know, like that thing from a while back that we need to to call it right now to to put it in play. Do they still have that thing, Matt? I'm sure they do. I believe it was uh, it was last used on KVS Kid von Strucker. Um, all of this, of course, Pete, under the umbrella, the ironic umbrella of Daisy rejecting rejection. She's she's not. She says. Uh, you know, kind of uh, in some some kind of uh, dope fiend esque, uh, you know, rejection of her her hive time. She's rejecting rejection, paging Doctor Freud. Um, with that, paging Doctor Lincoln. Uh, he's in he's in the hallway. Hey Mac, is your machine ready? Uh, no, but then Yo Yo Quick makes it ready. Link powers it up because that's what he does. And I was like, wow, this is coming together rather quickly. And then Hive is around the corner. Will it all work, Pete? Will Hive be caught once and for all? Well, at least for this episode. <laughs> uh, we see flashes of uh, memories here. Um, pretty good production job as far as uh, the integration of that. 
Uh, Hive tells them that this won't kill him, but Max says it'll suck as we head into an act break. So Pete, after the act break, is it working? Have we fried Ward's, I mean Hive's brain? Well, he starts to flash back to previous memories. Uh, I guess Pete, there's this whole question is, if if his memory is moving through time, is he going to be able to call Penny on Christmas Eve? It's all it's all connected. Um, luckily, by the way, all of the flashes back that Hive has for those millions and millions of people in him, they're all the people that we've seen in previous episodes this season. That was handy. He seems to be a bit of a skipping record, a skipping record, going from personality to personality. And that's when uh, Guerra and James show up. Has the boss gone a little gonzo, asks James. Uh, May interrupts Dr. Radcliffe here, who uh, then uh, has his Ronalds uh, fight her. Uh, All the while, we have uh, Hive repeating some of the lines of dialogue that... uh, previous uh members of his personality have said here there's fighting the weakness there's the connections oh connection disconnection that must be it matt for great absolution indeed the idea that to connect they have to disconnect what they need to disconnect the warhead there's then some more monologuing there, but more importantly, we get more May fighting, finally freeing Dr. Radcliffe, who, just using those John Hanna humor skills, he wants out. Oh, thank goodness he's, he, he can leave now. He, he's never wanted to be here with these strange unfortunates, and he, he definitely wants out. But Pete, before he's able to get out, uh, we definitely have just Ward kind of continuing to skip and reflect on those old memories. Amongst the the jumble of memories, Matt, I think it really bears pointing out we got a real quick shot of season one Ward ejecting Fitzsimmons in the pod there from uh, the bus, which resonates even better come the end of this uh, two episode finale. Um, and they all end up outside the base. And in, in, in shocking fashion, Pete, Ward gets not only boxed, but uh, put into the Jurassic Park-style amber, paused, if you will, Cloud City-style to end the act. Act four here, and Daisy is told that everything is okay. But of course, Matt, it's only act four, so everything only seems okay. One thing that definitely is for sure, though, is that Ward is in the box, he's in stasis, he's in the gel. That's not a concern anymore. He's just totally, totally taken out of the picture here. Um, Great scene here. We have uh, Radcliffe, who's still in chains, uh, seeing Coulson and seeing Talbot. Radcliffe is ready to wheel and deal. Um, And John Hanna just remains comedically brilliant and slimy at the same time. Talbot, though, is ready to turn him into a primitive if he can't undo the things he's already done. Yes, but he can tell by his mustache he must be a man of importance. Um, That uh, (laughs) Talbot can tell by his beady little eyes (laughs) that uh, uh, Dr. Radcliffe is not here. Um, it was a great line that uh, Talbot said to Coulson uh, just a little bit earlier here about the gamble. 
that it was stupid, like betting on WrestleMania stupid. <laughs> I have to wonder if some of these lines are improvised by these fantastic actors. It, 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 there's just a zip to it that's wonderful. If it's in the writer's room, all the more credit to, uh, to the writing staff. And uh, with that, uh, Fitz and Simmons uh, kind of reconnect with Radcliffe as well. Hey, do you remember us? Because everybody who's Britishy, we're going to go work in the one corner for a little while, and um, and uh, off they go. Mac has a lead, and uh, Lincoln believes he's he's done what he can do. This is enough. Uh, once this is over, that uh, he he's going to part ways. But um, this is where Coulson, having uh, finished his evaluation here, what do you know, Matt? The evaluation is is just being finished now. Great timing. Um, you know, that he would be a great agent. Um, but uh, it's not exactly what he wants at this point. Boy, I, I, I wonder if he'll be part of the team. He, he wants to take some time off. He wants to be able to see the world. Uh, in retrospect, I kind of regret not having uh, been drawn to that line a bit quicker. Um, he can't offer S.H.I.E.L.D. anything. He can't offer Daisy anything. He's just going to leave, Dad. I hate you. I hate you. I'm putting all, my, putting all my stuff into my knapsack or maybe just a big handkerchief at the end of a stick and I'm just leaving. I'm running away from home. Goodbye. I hate you, Dad. Slam of door. <laughs> I, I, I hate you security work dad um they're gonna tell daisy here though mac is going to tell daisy uh that they have hive despite all these security protocols be damned not a good idea yet it's gonna happen anyway oh what's that on the floor is that a cross <gasps> pete you mean the same cross that's been teased as being held by the person who what will die in 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 this evening of agents of shield the same oh man I, I like by the way that that uh the basic discussion is like max says we should tell daisy and colson says nope no one's telling daisy and max like i'm going to tell daisy goodbye no 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 let's just let mac go um a little bit of humor there i guess you know it, it's casual friday at the office that's that's the way it goes by the way pete Slightly weird moment when Mac is in the room. He wants to talk to his partner. He's going to hug her. She's saying, no, no, no. He's still hugging her. Um, just a slight moment there where I was like, no, you shouldn't hug her when she says no hugs. Even though she needs it, we're entering creepy territory here where you're you're really deciding that your desire to hug her is more important than her desire to say no hugs. The subtext to me read a little bit differently. I got a real goodwill hunting vibe out of it. This is the absolution, the forgiveness within the episode here. He tells her several times, I forgive you, though she didn't ask for that. And it's really part of her defense mechanism to refuse that through her guilt. This this is uh, Robin Williams' character telling... Uh, Matt Damon, it's not your fault. It's not your fault over and over again and until finally the, the catharsis. To be clear, I'm not saying that Mac as her friend and work partner was out of line. I guess I'm more saying in the writer's room, you should say time out. Maybe we shouldn't have this guy forcing a hug on a girl. 
do I have a concern about Mac as a human being? No. Do I think that Daisy, the time had come to receive that? Yes. I'm just saying, let's be a little careful with our language here. By the way, Pete, um, speaking of being careful with our language, Simmons wants to take Fitz for some snorkeling in the Seychelles. That's not a metaphor, I don't think. Let me just look this up on Urban Dictionary. Snorkeling the Seychelles. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is the most foul thing I've ever heard. I didn't even know. That can do that? Wow, Pete. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to have to we're going to have to up the uh, up the rating on this uh, podcast a couple levels here cuz this is dirty. I liked the uh, you know, we're going to do something that takes your breath away. Snorkeling. Um it was was cute. The idea that they're going to take a, a trip together here and and certainly not a nicer place to go than the Seychelles. They've, they've had enough tragedy. A little fun won't kill us if this episode doesn't. Wait, Pete, speaking of things that might kill someone, at least in some sort of um, semi-metaphorical or foreshadowy way, Fitz then picks up the crucifix. No, Pete, the, who, who, who's, who's the first Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people we ever saw in the flesh? It was Fitz and Simmons, or at least the actors that portray them. It can't be Fitz. I, I asked him a question at New York Comic Con. He can't have the crucifix. <laughs> the curse of New York Comic Con. Oh, uh, he gets a call here. He's got to go sign off on the, uh, the gel matrix cube. That necklace is on the floor. Is this yours? No. Uh, put it in the pocket of the S.H.I.E.L.D. jacket. Wah, wah. Mac and Daisy continue their discussion here. She talks about how Hive is the devil and uh, that taking somebody's memories is the same thing as stealing their soul to wit. Mac uh, quotes Aristotle, Matt, not the Bible, that memory is the scribe of the soul. That, uh, Alfonso McKenzie, he's a he's a soulful dude. He's uh, he's pretty deep. And thank goodness he's back next season for sure, because we know the future. Anyhow, uh, the story then moves to Fitz in the hangar. Good news, guys. Colson's locking up everything. Hey, that hangar door, it's still open or whatever. That's really weird. O'Brien, who's never been named before, at least I don't think so, says that they finally have the parts. Hey, they're over there. I'm going to walk over to them. They're from Absolution, Montana. Wait a minute. Absolution? Boom. Big change. And then he's suddenly a primitive. And then Pete, the primitive Hitchcocks to the camera. That's when you run towards the camera, cover it in black to hide a cut. In this case, it's, it's a cut to end the act. Act five here, we have Klaxons, Coulson uh, telling Gemma there was an explosion in the hangar. Uh, Fitz is there. There's a guy dragged off, and May tells us the obvious, that they are trapped inside. Uh, they have to stay away from the gas since that will turn them into the primitives here. It's at this point that in his discussion over the comms with Gemma, uh, it's floated that Fitz might employ Professor Von Sturger's compiler theory. Which we all know what that is, so we don't need to get into it. What I thought was interesting was what I thought was a new use of the, the 
modified pterogen gas here. We have the, the, the first primitive pulls a, uh, what I call a black coat. That's an updating of the Star Trek red shirt. Um, but pulls a shield person into the gas. Now there's two. Fitz gets some backup, but there's even more primitives. And, you know, each time they're pulled into the gas, there's just simply more of them. Um, Gemma remembers some techity tech things and is able to get uh, one of the doors unlocked just in time for Fitz to be okay. One of those other guys, not so much, but you know what? You're a featured extra for a reason and not, you know, uh, a member <laughs> of the cast. So good news though, Fitz is okay just so he can die later or will he stay tuned? Fitz uses the fire extinguisher there to get into what I refer to as the lockbox. Um, and it's at this point where the primitives turn and start to pound on the gel matrix cube. And, uh, there's one shot of them, two of them pulling up one sort of, um, the frame of the gel cubes right. that yeah. gets pulled up. Therefore there's no more frame. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they're strong. They are strong. And then when Hive stands up, he has a little gel on his coat uh, in the shoulder area, which is good because they're giving him a close-up. And then you know he's come out of the gel. Um, speaking of knowing, Pete, not, of course, in the biblical sense. We're not one of those podcasts. Um, but he knows that, that uh, uh, the Quinjet can fly high. And is that going to be a thing? They're not sure. Not the Quinjet. The Zephyr 1 is equipped for... Uh high altitude delivery you know pete i had in my notes the zephyr and then i said wait that sounds wrong these planes i'm confused there's the whole plane shell game later on in the, yes. in the double episode yeah and uh entirely intentional uh mac points out that hive still looks shaky maybe he won't remember how to fly um they can't let him get control of the ship here Daisy, meanwhile, has moved the containment module up into Zephyr 1. Um, and uh, Hive is uh, he's, he's looking for uh, solutions here. He's still trying to get his, uh, his footing back after having been, uh, you know, blasted and then uh, gelled, um, tr having trouble with these memories here. And uh, Daisy confronting him, you know, you have any idea what you did to me? Uh, and it's at this point that she kneels, please take me back. And he picks up on the pain, the withdrawal that she is suffering, which I thought was a really great turn. It it was. And I think that it was uh, it was, it was a shocking turn, but one that the show had set up aptly with the, the notion of uh, Hive being like a drug and uh, going through withdrawal and that sort of thing. His reaction here, I just loved it. We don't know what the future holds for Brett Dalton in the show, uh, of course, but he's, he, he's such a fascinating actor in this scene here. Hive says, hmm, interesting. He's struggling to remember her name. He kind of skirts by the word sky, S-K-Y, S-K-Y-E. It's all connected. Then he remembers her name, Daisy. Flower, you know, something pretty. So, you know, nicely written there. Absolutely. And then he goes to, to reinfect her, but he can't. That creature stole it from her, and now she's impervious. 
And uh, with that, Pete, she gets uh, a little angry, you might say. She's suddenly very, very angry, and she blasts him to end the act. We think, Matt, we're saying here that though it read 9.58, 9.59 on the clock here in the East where we watch and record, that this is the beginning of the second hour of Ascension, the final uh, episode of the third season here. Um, Mac is asking Coulson how many they think Hive has infected 20 when the number is 28. And the confrontation between Daisy and Hive continues. Meanwhile, we are told by Dr. Radcliffe that the primitives, uh, unlike Hive, they don't retain the uh, memories. However, they possess the talents of the people they have uh, formerly been, although with shockingly poor eyesight, which will come into play. Yeah, it, again, it, I might sound like a broken record, but Dr. Radcliffe uh, is performed so wonderfully by John Hanna. We have Radcliffe talking about how dumb and awful these primitives are, and he sees the reaction he's getting. Oh, it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking. It's just so very, very heartbreaking. Part of the team goes one way, part of the team goes the other. Radcliffe is just left standing there, not quite sure what to do. He's funny even then. Um, and then the story moves to May and Fitz discovering that Daisy is upstairs, uh, where there's a big Daisy hive fight. Yes, right out of the Matrix since he just got out of the Matrix. <laughs> there's a lot of blurry action here. Pete, the, the action... Here, the fight here looks so good. Pete, is this a K-Tanch joint? Is this Kevin Tancherowen, the, the, the esteemed director who they bring in for only the best of episodes? Matt, you know what is synonymous with uh, Kevin Tancherone here, the brother of co-showrunner Marissa Tancherone? That is action. And uh, I think it's his middle name. I, th I think he was christened Kevin Action Tancherones. It, it's a good middle name for a guy who would eventually become a director. Um, and uh, when he's not directing feature-length movies that are the reboot of the movie Fame, he's directing tremendous action TV sequences. It's... Uh, it it's just a high octane fight. I mean, I don't know how else it can be described. It really is wonderful. He gets stabbed a few times with little effect. Uh, Hive does, not Kevin Tangerone. Thank goodness. <laughs> Please don't don't <laughs> scare me, man. I got high hopes on season four as far as where we're going. Um, I like here how they take a moment to acknowledge that Ward the body is being worn down by these things. But a uh, great line here from Hive: uh, "Bones don't hold him up." His parts do, you know, he, he, he's, he's a sum of the, some of the parts that, that make him up. So there's this quick turning, clicking, cracking thing where he puts himself back together. Uh, Pete, there are no strings on him and he's all, he's all back and ready to go as, uh, as the episode continues to zip on by. James and Mr. Guerra uh, swoop in to get him. Uh, James wants to know if Daisy is back on the team. Um, She's not. However, her presence is going to keep S.H.I.E.L.D. from blowing them out of the sky. 
Elsewhere, uh, Mac is fired upon by perhaps the, the smartest of the primitives, who now has gone from using simple tools like hammers to uh, a machine gun. But the bullets don't hit him. Yo-Yo has taken them. I thought perhaps first it was going to be that she plucked them out of the air. But no, she's caught one in the gut. And um, it only occurred to me, perhaps in subsequent scenes, that's the luckiest bullet for Yo-Yo. Because she doesn't know that uh, somebody's going to die in this episode. And if she just got <laughs> hit by a bullet, it's probably not her. Hive here is starting to all come back to him. He can fly this between will daniels and grant ward we got a name check everybody there he has the necessary experience um meanwhile mac carries the injured yo-yo into sanctuary with colson fitz and lincoln but wait matt where's everybody else as simmons hides from uh some of the primitives and hive takes off we head into an act break as Zephyr One takes off here, excellent, excellent shot here from Mark Kolpak's team. Uh, Zephyr One taking off the nose of Zephyr One, hitting into the uh, the panel that won't quite open. Part of it shears off, falls to the camera, blacking out the screen to take us to the act end. Really a wonderful shot. Yeah, uh, he had teased over Twitter, Mark Kolpak had, you know, how hard and, and down to the wire they were working on the effects work through a weekend a, a couple back and it really really shows between this between the creature special effects that come up in a little bit here with hive cannot say enough these are feature level effects done on tv after the act break ward is in the plane he's ascending it's like the name of the episode he said the thing yeah yeah. The plan is reiterated that they're going to explode uh, at a certain height. I wonder, Pete, if that's a little 100, bit... 100,000 feet. Indeed. I wonder if that's a little bit of a function of down the line when these episodes get, you know, chopped up in, in single, you know, one-hour presentations. This might just be the six minutes after the hour restatement of the plan at hand. Um, but back we go, Pete, to Yo-Yo bleeding. Take us through it, Pete. Is she going to make it? Will Yo-Yo live? I think she's going to make it here. Uh, Mac calls out for Electric Company to help. <laughs> Nothing says my friend is dying like making pop culture references. Yeah. Um, but this idiot, Dr. Radcliffe, has turned their agents into kill zombies, Matt. Um, Colson says that they're going to need to stay in that room and find something to stabilize uh, Yo-Yo's bleeding with. Hey, Matt, here's a blowtorch. Yeah, that is not what I would have gone for, although I guess it will get the job Cauterize. done. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> clearly it works. I, I, I like that they don't show it on screen. Um, she, of course, Yo-Yo... Uh, takes like a rock star because that's what she does. And uh, Mac tells her, next time, don't take a bullet from me. And Pete, it's like they're growing together as friends. Maybe more, we'll see. It's while this is going on that Simmons is continuing to hide from the primitives there. Um, 
they get really close. We know that the eyesight is poor. They can't see her. And then the scream of Yo-Yo comes at just the right time to draw them away. She notices here the heat and uh, starts to use that to her advantage, which is explained to us in a little bit. But uh, Dr. Radcliffe, meanwhile, is taking note of the Scotsman's work, uh, little seating for story later in the episode. Uh, They have a working model, Coulson's hand there, and he is stunned by it. There's a a quick touch back to Zephyr 1, where it's revealed that May and Fitz are there. And uh, Daisy wants to stay in her timeout box because she's such a such a liability. Um, we also get uh, Daisy telling May, uh, or rather told by May, that it wasn't Hive who made her. May helped make her, you know, through training and such. Keep the hurt on the inside. And listen, I might not always tell you this, but it's time to share my heart. But bang. Mr. Guerra is there with a gun. It's on Fitz. Oh, no, is it May that's going to die, Pete? I don't know. Let's end the act. With Mr. Guerra with a gun on Fitz here, we get the, uh, wait, if if you kill me, uh, you'll die because I've hidden a weapon on this plane in something we really haven't come to see or expect out of uh, Fitz. Daisy's trying to talk Gera down, that they have a connection. He points out, not anymore, wants uh, Fitz to show him where he is hitting the device. Um, But they don't want to hurt people under the sway, he says. Uh, You know, it's it's not their their fault. They're uh, they're acting under, uh, you know, uh, the directions of another entity. But uh, you're not a good person, and he shoots him. Pete, one of the joys of watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that it's able to exist in this mostly real, but not 100% real world. So you have things like, gee whiz, how do we write Fitz out of this problem? You get to have the, you know, the invisible gun, bang, bang, oh, it's real. It's completely within their world. However, it's unexpected because we're watching with the rules of our world and just a great, great, thrilling uh, moment there. Plus, I mean, not to be callous, you know, oh, Fitz has taken a life. Um, But, you know, he does work for a super secret military, quasi-military intelligence organization. Sometimes you got to spill some blood. You got to kind of break the eggs to make the omelet. So R.I.P. Mr. Guerra. The secret ingredient is no more Guerra. He did tell them a few times. Um, It's revealed here that the uh, containment module has been disabled, which as the the planning goes and the plane continues to rise, certainly becomes a complication. It's getting cold. The air is starting to get thin outside and will certainly affect them. Daisy continues to suffer withdrawal. And uh, back at... uh, the shield hq there wait, wait, Lincoln. Pete, Pete, hold on before we go to shield hq she's so cold won't any gentleman do anything to help her because fitz gives daisy his crucifix jacket man i have to say that as a red herring the jacket was less effective obviously than the symbol 
with the the crucifix necklace, I had missed this point. Well, Pete, that's what you get for only watching the episode two or three times. Your your kind of work print, work cut print on the DVD <laughs> mailed to you, then your official press screener. Nobody then does DVDs anymore. Well, Pete, your it's special all friend a link to a secure website. Your special friend who works in the front front office who mails them to you, you got to get that got to get that stuff out somehow. But anyhow, I don't I don't want to give away all the secrets. Beat, take us back to Shield HQ. We have uh, Yo Yo that Lincoln explains has been stabilized here, but he does need to get her to a hospital. Um, it's Simmons is revealed to have. Uh, taken the primitives uh, ability to not see and amped it up here by uh, increasing the heat. Um, and uh, uh, Yo-Yo has uh, been lit on fire by Mac. <laughs> Back to Zephyr one we go. Ward is remembering things. James wants to make sure, by the way, that all the future ladies that might get swayed are they going to be a bit more ladylike? Great, great moment here for Axel Whitehead. Um, I hope he's able to be back next season somehow because he's a great villain. He's a great personality. Um, oh, by the way, it's confirmed that Gear is definitely dead and Ward wants them to be found. After the discussion here with James and Hive revealing that whatever is going to take place with the Warhead is going to spread the power of the sway over three continents girls might be hard to come by uh at least those who still maintain their own motivation the quinjet lands on zephyr one may and uh fitz and daisy are together and daisy has her fateful flashback once again it's here that she's finally got the jacket and the necklace on and she knows exactly what happens next matt because she's seen this episode <laughs> she actually has pete she's she's seen the the climax of the episode uh we get an act break and we return to zephyr one still ascendant <gasps> pete colson is on board he's not not moving around a whole lot but he's definitely on board he takes blame for bringing Hive here. Hive scenes kind of confused by the the, the nature of this showdown. Um, of course, all this talk and all this taking out Hive, it'll still lead to the plane exploding. At this point, uh, uh, Coulson name checks Blake, who in my notes, I know immediately had a hologram because I, mm -hmm. I picked up on this stuff here. Hive takes off his ward face. The Hydra effect here is great again. Kudos to Mark Kolpak and his wonderful team. It is absolutely stunning the quality of effects that they have for Hive. There is more and more computer-generated imagery on TV on a weekly basis than ever before. Some of it is not worthy of a bad video game. This is the polar opposite of that. This was outstanding you could see this in a Marvel film franchise and be completely drawn in by the effect. Matt, I just wish we had some some purple-skinned villains in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe where Mark Kolpak could put these talents to use. 
You never know, Pete. You never know. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Turns out, by the way, all those uh, theories about Coulson being a hologram, it's true. He reveals that uh, all of Hive's lackeys need to follow what he says, but Coulson's people, they can make their own decisions. They did not stay back. They did not listen to orders. They have been sneaking on board. Uh, because they are not mindless people. Then Coulson gets to do something he's always wanted to do. He leans forward at the waist, saying, Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only, until he gets his hologram turned off by an angry Hive, who, by the way, has his ward face back, because not for nothing, Hydra face is expensive. <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars, noted by several people on Twitter that uh, the Hive effect looked suspiciously similar to uh prequel era jedi kit fisto i i'm gonna admonish them not because uh people don't like the prequels uh i love all things star wars and will defend it to my dying breath i just think this was an even better job you know the the kit fisto makeup that that's practical this this was this was done on the computer and and took on a, a practical um aspect it was stunning absolutely stunning and i am so glad that they held off on the reveal because it was so high quality it it deserved to be in a season finale and it deserved to be teased out what six weeks ago whatever it was at this point pete lincoln suffers a quick little injury there kind of an exploding orb he's gonna be okay it's just some bleeding uh, they, they quickly gloss over it in the best sense possible, given where we are headed. Um, I did think, though, it was a slightly odd story turn. It just kind of seemed like this explosion came out of the blue. Um, but it did, however, Pete, give Lincoln and Daisy a chance to talk about their relationships and stuff and love and like and all that stuff. <laughs> um Obviously, the wound is something whoever is going to wind up in the uh, the spacecraft has to suffer. So it's at this point where we're starting to put it all together. Um, Daisy wants to know if if she's she's broken this to the to the point where it can't be repaired. And uh, Lincoln, uh, really heartfelt and well written dialogue here that that he knows what she's suffering from. He's, he's felt the pang of addiction. Um, May Colson, et cetera, here are having the discussion that the Quinjet will be sent up. It will explode in the vacuum of space. Uh, Lincoln notes here that the uh, crucifix is on Daisy. No, no, the thing will fly itself. Don't do it. But she says she's accepting fate. She can't live with what she's done. Um, and, uh, he tells her to promise him that she won't sacrifice herself. Uh, Coulson is having the discussion elsewhere that, uh, they, they need to decide who's going to go. Mac wants to hang around to fight. He built this damn thing. That would be the shotgun ax for a reason. Where's Daisy, Matt? Wait a minute, where is Daisy? She suddenly disappeared. Nice use of uh, close-ups and medium shots here and then wide shots. The show gave the impression that Lincoln and uh, Daisy were in one spot and Coulson and everyone else were were 
somewhere completely different, despite the fact that we had seen kind of Colson shooing everybody else away, give them their moment. Um, it's only with the wide shot that you realize they were about 15 feet apart, but there was kind of the wall of privacy um, th that that had been informally put up. So you really do buy this idea of like, wait, where is Daisy? Because we're all actually here, but we had our attention elsewhere. Regardless, though, we get the primates attacking. And Pete, because it's a network show, I guess, Mac has a shotgun axe and he uses it to shotgun um, but not to axe, which I thought was an interesting use there. Um, it's a pretty solid fight, though. The speeds are really fast and it slows down and whatnot. Kind of really high energy, that, that Kevin Tantarone joint. Uh, Hive is briefly there, then he's gone. Pete, is he going for Daisy, too? We will find out after commercial. Well, isn't this poetic, Matt? Pete, to what are you referring? What visual poetry or, or dialogue poetry do you refer to? Well, uh, apart from the crudite that he smelled her blood here, we have the former ward. We have the former sky, uh, the, the showdown here. And, and wait, Pete, where are they headed? In what direction? They're sky heading. Skyward? Yeah, yeah. Um, she points out that, uh, you know, what happened with Lash, that he was meant to, uh, to end you. But here we have Lincoln suddenly revealed to be in the cockpit. He says that he has shorted the manual controls and he uses his powers there, taking off after a flash, leaving Daisy behind. So now it is Lincoln and Hive in the Quinjet, we're down to who winds up there finally. Indeed, it is beyond question at this point. Uh, Lincoln says that he's happy to save the girl he loves. Uh, we see how the connection between the Quinjet and uh, Zephyr One are, are the connection is increasingly frayed. Shield can't connect to the jet. The radio starts to short out, but Daisy has so much to say. Lincoln had so much to say. And then what I thought, for as much as I wanted to roll my eyes, because this was the, 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 the beautiful lovers saying goodbye, then it hit me, Pete. Some poetry there. He doesn't need to say anything else. He's said for the first time that he loves her. Gotta say, Pete, got me in my articles a little bit there. Yeah, she's lamenting that this is wrong. This is not the way it's supposed to happen. That it was supposed to be her. That uh, this this fate has been stolen from her. But he says that uh, it feels pretty right saving the girl he loves and the world at the same time. Uh, as the, the comms go here... Um, we we get the shudder of the gravity. Suddenly, they have crossed the barrier here. We've got the cross. We've got the blood floating. And uh, he tells Hive that he can try to sway him if he wants. Um, but they're, uh, they're together in this here. And uh, they're going to experience this connection. I won't quibble that they apparently have the Quinjet crossing the 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 hard line between atmosphere and outer space where when you cross the line things become suddenly weightless 
I won't complain about any of that because it's a really touching scene otherwise and not yeah. how I think actual space works. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but since they're weightless, Pete, everything's weightless. That includes the crucifix. Wait a minute. I think I've seen this episode before too. Yeah. There's discussion that uh, Lincoln says that Hive could now sway him, but there really is no point. And uh, back on Zephyr 1, Colson says that Lincoln is paying for all of their mistakes, uh, which I, th I think added gravity to the moment there. Yeah, and particularly the way that the episode ends, I think, again, takes on added significance. Okay. Um, but Lincoln has gotten to see the world, you know, like you said, he wanted to when he was going to leave S.H.I.E.L.D. earlier in the episode. Um, there's this strange kinship between he and hive here at the end um both in humans both people who uh were very closely associated with uh daisy and uh talk about how the world is smaller than they imagine um with all their flaws the people on it matt they are only human and then we have the rather distant flash quickly burnt out there of uh, the Quinjet. We get the slow motion uh, pained music montage with Daisy, you know, in the, in the throes of her grief, Colson may Simmons sheds a tear. Fitz looks over at her and uh, you know, so Simmons asks the question, what happens now? And then six months later switching things up again which i thought was just wonderful because side note i kind of found the actual explosion thing a little underwhelming i would like just that big moment i know that they did a ton of special effects stuff and maybe maybe we got either hydra hive or the plane exploding but not both and if that's the case fine they made the right decision but I didn't have time to complain because six months later, we, there's a newspaper. Quake has taken down a bank, the newspaper says. A rather haggard Colson is watching things from afar. Mac is in there. He's brought some sandwiches. And um, things just unfold from there, Pete, in this world of the future. Yes. Uh, Colson is very clearly looking for something with the binoculars. He's watching a woman and a child on a bench who are then uh, approached by uh, a stranger there. Um, Coulson thinks that today, Matt, is going to be the day. Uh, the stranger comes up and the woman on the bench says that she wants to thank her, that the money is too generous. Uh, it's going to help them relocate. Uh, she was treated as a pariah. And then the little girl is told by who we realize is uh, Daisy in disguise um, that her dad made this Robin. This is the, uh, the wife and child of uh, an inhuman we saw earlier in the season. That is, of course, uh, Charles, to who you are referring, Pete. Uh, and uh, that means that it's his wife, Polly, Polly Hinton, the, the, the widow Hinton, as some might have called her in another age. Um, the, the, the moment that uh, the wooden bird gets handed over, Colson says, go, go, go. 
Um, Daisy's on the run as as shield SUVs come in there. Daisy has a moment um, lifted perhaps straight out of the Matrix where she goes and puts her arms in a semi kind of like 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 a yin yang around her, and then she shoots up a whopping five stories four of which are like being her being propelled up and the last story of which is just kind of momentum and going up and over pete colson mac they don't get to her the director won't be happy about this mystery mystery who's the director act break our tag scene matt which was the only scene withheld from me from the screener uh lights come on here welcome back dr radcliffe says a computerized feminine voice here this is a special day here uh he talks about his boy Fitz and uh name checks Gemma as well uh today will be the last day of hearings so seems like he's out of the woods as far as responsibility for what had taken place with the whole hive episode here it's about to crack open a 40 year old uh bottle um but uh there's some tech here that is based on an old shield program uh they're going to celebrate the inclusion of their new colleague fits on the project today is the disembodied voice birthday matt as we can see behind uh frosted white glass a female form and indeed see you in uh three and a half months the dossier a detailed look at our bad guys let's begin matt with hive hive who we get that great reveal we we get also a sense of peace from him at the end question mark um he is not a bad guy in his own mind which is uh, always the hallmark of a fascinating bad guy he just wanted to bring order and uniformity to this planet and um he's been a really effective bad guy and uh i guess uh <laughs> the jury is still out as to as to the future of hive the future of brett dalton etc to finally get to see the face of the the, the creature through his uh, his inhumanity, I don't know what more you could possibly say about Brett Dalton in three seasons, essentially playing three different characters: uh, Shield Agent Grant Ward, the evil Hydra. Grant Ward and and now the the majority of the season playing Hive he did everything they ever asked from him as an actor who knows about next season we certainly get some teases at the end of this that quite a few things are possible so we we won't we I don't think we can say this is the end for him at this point but uh you know, I, I really like the coda for the character. If this is going to be it, look how far this guy came. Look at everything that that face had seen over the the three seasons that we knew various incarnations of this character. Next on the list, Pete, we get the Ronalds. Uh, I like the whimsy that uh, that 
as there's these different um, types of shield employees that get turned, we now have, uh, you know, Ronald in the suit, Ronald in the, in the, you know, kind of the more jumpsuit type thing, Ronald with the badge. It's, it, it's a wonderful bit of whimsy in what otherwise is a pretty dark and, and gloomy episode, one that ends with a character death, etc. And, and for their fairly ghastly uh, practical um, appearance to, to soften it a little bit and, and to, to focus on a name and not the, you know, you, you think of the cost, Matt, the number of people who, this is not a reversible thing. You suffer that mutation, um, you're done. And uh, the number of S.H.I.E.L.D. personnel that, that go uh, because of this mechanism is, is fairly significant. Um, it, it's not too cutesy, uh, but, but it does what it needs to. I like too, that the, the makeup used for the Ronalds, um, it gets a little bit more kind of craggy and, and, um, I I don't know, like a, like a raisin almost. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know if that's just because they maybe realized that they needed a little bit more definition on screen or if there was meant to be some sort of you know, some of these are put more through the ringer or, you know, the, the effect has worn off a bit, but I, I like that they, they look more pathetic as the episode goes on. I mean that in the best of, you know, they look as more pathetic characters, not that the, not that the makeup job is, is pathetic. Um, probably, I guess the last we've seen of, of Ronald's. Mr. Guerra here after, uh, a couple episodes off and, and to get him for the the final time his showdown with Fitz in particularly, uh, you know, effective scene. Yeah. He's been a, he's been a great number two bad guy. Uh, I mean, somebody who kind of never really rose above that, but, uh, certainly has been a really fun presence on screen. And, uh, I, I suppose all things are possible. Maybe we'll have his, his good twin or we'll get him in robot form or something, but probably the end there for Mr. Guerra hoping pete that it's not the end for james as mentioned before here he is kind of a man without a boss but uh just axel whitehead just sizzles on screen um and uh and hopefully we get to see him again especially since he's you know got, got all these powers he he likes the ladies and uh time will tell it's unclear where he went we we don't see him after that discussion with hive so did he sneak off did he get caught i mean it's assumed that um, you know, he was caught, but just because we didn't see it happen doesn't mean it did. Part of the ability to end with such a big cliffhanger, you know, to to end with with more than just a little snippet in the future. Uh, by the way, courtesy of um the the new ABC uh head of head of the network who gave early renewals to a bunch of shows, including Agents of Shield, they were able to anticipate fully what the, you know that there would be a next season um i suspect that if they had a question like uh oh, shoot i don't know what we do with james here's what you do you just have james disappear at the end of this portion of the episode then you go to the future and you say well you know what when we when we re uh, reconvene the writer's room and we if we want james back and if uh if the actor is available we'll figure something out because we have this whole six-month break in which he can be 
you know, uh, brought on by this group or does his couple of months of prison time or whatever it is, there's plenty of story space for him to return. Lastly, Matt, Daisy, six months in the future, or shall I say Robin in the hood? Yeah, she's a villainess suddenly. She's she's a baddie. She's got gothy makeup. (laughs) That's the universal symbol for she's bad news. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun journey to see how she... How she broke bad. Heck, is she even bad? Maybe Coulson is in on it somehow. And uh, it's great that they have upended stuff before the next season has started. Or I mean, I, there's a certain kind of you know poetic sense in which you can say that was the start of season four. And then it's going to be you know a question of how do we get there. Uh, I say bring it on. This is exciting. It's a, it's an exciting time. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Let's pick up with that time jump, Matt. Something that uh, some some bold series have uh, thrown out here. Granted, not on the level of one year later or anything like that, but half a year still significant. Yeah, and I think that given that the show plays in you know what is meant to be roughly. Um, Real time, I'm particularly since we line up with the the Marvel movies every so often. Um, I just kind of like that. I mean, six months seems like a long way off. It is just November, which is a long way off for you know us in the real world. But you figure we're gonna you know we're gonna uh, do a season three wrap up next week and then then put Shield on pause for a little while. Um, before you know it, it'll be the season four preview and then, you know, shield will continue point being, it probably continues end of September, maybe beginning of October. And then you're not that far from getting caught up to six months from now. Um, so it's a really fun story device, especially if they're just going to do what these other shows have done, like Battlestar, like lost where you get thrown in the deep end and then spend story time saying, how did we get from six months from now how did all how did these fractures occur how did these changes happen i agree that's where we've got to go back and fill in the blanks not like oh we're going to tell you what happened over those six months no we, we we've got to see some some scenes here to see what's going on with uh fitzsimmons to see uh what what's may been up to conspicuously absent there um in in that segment and then matt who is this new director pete there, there there's uh there's something that, it, that i'm going to refer to now briefly and that we'll talk more about next week for sure which is going to be my kind of catch-all thing for as people get worried about you know how they jump the shark here's my response pete do you fondly remember the a team i do do you fondly remember the last season of the A-Team where they added a fifth guy? Do I fondly remember it? No. Do I remember it? Sadly, yes. They're staying ahead. Regardless of, what, of, of whether you want to say whether it's gloom and doom or a normal TV show, Half-Life, whatever it is that we'll discuss next week as to what the fourth season, you know, maybe, might not be, final season, et cetera, et cetera, the, the, the different time slot, which, by the way, listeners, if you didn't hear, next year, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. will be on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. 
Um, we'll, we'll analyze and theorize all that stuff next week as part of the season three wrap up. But if the number one goal is to stay ahead of the A team season in which the four guys added a fifth guy to change things up because things were stale, guess what? This is the show changing things up before they get stale because that's what it's done every season is drastically change things around. That's what you do to stay fresh. So I, I, I welcome whatever the future holds. So, Matt, I'd like to welcome to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. without further ado, Director Poochie. (laughs) Pete, it sounded so crazy that they would add someone that was modeled after the John Candy character in Spaceballs, half man, half dog, a mog, his own best friend. (laughs) But you know what? It works. We've seen some of the early footage, and I just think it's absolutely fantastic that you got Eddie Murphy himself to be a recurring character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next season. This is probably um, where we should explain that we just made, made that up and riffed off each other, because uh, we're comedic <laughs> genius eyes. Dr. Radcliffe here. One has to hope that John Hanna will be a recurring, if not a regular, presence for the fourth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but what's he working on, Matt? What's he got? This guy who's at the cutting edge of biotech and the regular tech. Well, Pete, you, you made indirect reference to Lost before. Of course, the idea, hey, I have a theory early on. They're dead. Oh, now you've disproven that they're dead. What do they do in, I mean, Spoiler alert here. Um, what do they do for the Flash Sideways portion at the, you know, the, the season six and all that? In the Flash Sideways, they're dead. Surprise, your theory, you know, bore fruit. All that stuff. Oh, man, how is Coulson alive? How is Co- He's a life model decoy. He's a robot. He's a, a human-looking robot. No, we're not doing life model decoys. Boom, surprise. It said it on the screen, LMD. Then he showed you know as you said pete the female figure i just want to point out female figure with a a slightly less tanned behind than the rest of her thereby suggesting the uh, curve of the female buttocks pete we got a life model decoy well you hit upon it matt that this has been something from the moment colson was coming back oh he could be a life model decoy this is a big thing in the comics And they've taken, rightly, I think, their sweet time in getting to it. They've positioned the pieces, and it opens up an entirely new storytelling element. Now, somebody can be anybody. Um, You you can create uh, doppelgangers, and uh, I think it can be played to delicious potential in this fourth season where we, you know... We truly have a fallen rogue agent and uh, the potential to graft, uh, you know, the identities of real agents onto these robotic uh, lifelike um, decoys is really going to be an interesting aspect. It's going to be an absolutely fun fourth season. You can tell they're already they're already planning for it because. The fourth season has already begun at the end of this third season here. Transmissions. Let's check the wire, Matt. Open the mailbag. And Pete, uh, I had tweeted out a question to the aforementioned Mark Kolpak himself. 
Um, I, I said, uh, was Squidward motion captured, rotoscoped? Please, oh, please tell us, by the way. I use the hashtag Squidward, um, go, going all in there on, uh, on JJ Nato's nickname there. Got a response from him. He said, tracking markers on Brett Dalton's face with a match, uh, movement capture, all computer generated alter ego, huge props to fuse effects, just amazing. So it's a little explanation there that they did, um, they did capture the, the movement of Brett Dalton's face and then, then built, um built the uh the computer hydra face on top of it i'd love to know sequentially when that took place uh i would imagine it was not the last thing that that brett dalton filmed if mm. he has filmed his last for agents of shield yeah definitely uh i mean if that wasn't <laughs> if that wasn't the first thing filmed for the episode then it should have been the first thing filmed like before they even shot the episode, it should have been shot well in advance of everything else, just because of the nature of special effects work and just the stunning reveal. That's what was so amazing is you could see Brett Dalton in there, but you could also see that it, none of it was him. It wasn't him in a mask or that sort of thing, but you could still see the guy behind it all. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Writing in on the Facebook, Matt, is Robert T. Frost. Actually, in response to our Agent Carter radio program by Fantastic Geek, farewell to uh, Agent Carter in the wake of ABC's cancellation of that show last week. Um, you know, and after talking a little bit about fan support and though there's some uh, petitions going on right now, uh, and we'd encourage you to, to go and listen to that individual podcast. It, it's going to take a little bit more than the names at this point, given that Haley Atwell has been cast on another show and, uh, you know, Agent Carter is not inexpensive to produce. But uh, what what Bob does is he really uh, captures what, you know, we, we feel very strongly here about at Fantastic Geek. Um, he says that, uh, sad face aside, this is the kind of fantastic geek podcast is why PG is my favorite Marvel podcast, a critical examination and discussion of the show, a nuts and bolts look at the entertainment industry. And it's all done with an appropriate amount of fanboyism, not at all like some podcasts that seem to pout and spew over the top righteous indignations about how ABC ignored the fans feelings for the show and nothing about it being strictly business and all the time using colorful language that would make a dock worker blush. Thank you for the excellent podcast, your professionalism and your gentlemanly manners, which makes listening a true pleasure. Well, Pete, as we conclude our 66th episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've you know, done some previews and some this and some that, but you know, we've now podcasted the 66 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. along with the other stuff. Bob's words there taking extra meaning uh, and, and meaning a lot to, to both of us. We do try and, try and have the gentlemanly discussion about a show that uh, at the end of the day, it's about having fun. It's about the action, the adventure, the drama of it all. It's not, it's not trying to solve the world's problems, but it's trying to be more than, you know, oh, I love you and you love me and 
now we're shooting at each other or now we're smoochy face. You know, we, we try and bring that intelligent take to it. I, I, I like to think most of the time we do bring the intelligent take, but uh, to have an intelligent discussion, you got to use the, the grown up words. And uh, it's something that we that we pride ourselves on doing. Daryl Washington had also written in here and he said he subscribes to three Agent Carter podcasts and we were the only one that did a farewell podcast. He thanks us for that. He wishes that, uh, you know, Angie as a character had been given a little bit more screen time here. But every time that she and Peggy were on screen that they passed the Bechdel test. Uh, those two together were the best. And I'll tell you, Daryl, we can always look back fondly on our time with Agent Carter. We'll still have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We still have uh, Luke Cage coming. We have Iron Fist coming. We have the Defenders. We have the Punisher. And uh, though Marvel TV has uh, taken a little bit of a black eye through its first cancellation. It's amazing to think three years in, it's the first time one of the shows hasn't moved on. Um, there's still an awful lot of content coming and uh, Fantastic Geek will continue to be the only podcast that brings you every single episode of all of these shows. No one else has done it, Matt. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes you plan ahead and other times you just say, there's a mountain. I don't know how to climb. Let's start climbing. And here we are um, still climbing. And uh, it's been great fun and many, many hours of uh, TV to watch and, and podcasting to to cover. And uh, obviously, uh, obviously the summer ahead and, and we'll discuss that stuff more in the future. But uh, it, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is such a fun sandbox to play in and uh and many more adventures to come want to thank uh all our listeners who have been with us uh, for these seasons of agents of shield in particular it, it continues to be the uh marvel tv mothership and it's in many ways our mothership want to give a big thanks to uh, our people who have supported us on patreon patreon.com slash fantastic geek uh all these episodes are, uh, are are made possible by uploading them and bandwidth and storage costs and all that. So a uh, big thank you to those uh, those patrons there. And uh, definitely uh, we'll have uh, we'll be continuing to podcast something each week as the summer goes on. So so please don't disappear, patrons. Um, but uh, but uh, I just want to give a, a big thanks to them because they've uh, they've helped get this out there to the people. Special shout out to uh, Mary Kirk. Uh donating here at a uh, a special level and uh hope that you could go to patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek and check out some of the perks there should you feel generous but pete so many people say that the biggest perk is being able to talk to you on twitter and that's for free how can people do so how can we keep the mcu discussion going over the summer you can find me on twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 7,720 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast and a whole host of ways, especially if you have some Season 3 uh, concluding thoughts here. We'll, we'll get into many of those uh, next week for our Season 3 Conclusion Shield podcast. 
Uh, we are Fantastic Geek. That's Fantastic with the PH. You can find us under that name on the Gmail, the .com, the Twitter, the Instagram, and more. The Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH. Like us today, we're closing in on some uh, some numerical milestones there. You want to be a part of that. Well, with that, thank you once again, everybody, for having listened uh, to us uh, for these three seasons through this uh, this wonderful third season, terribly exciting season. And I uh, hope you join us uh, next week for that uh, season three wrap-up. And if not, uh, we'll be talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. soon. So I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the season finale final word. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only...